All right, First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. We're just looking at the first two verses tonight. First John chapter 2, and uh, we're going to be looking at our command and our comfort. And that's the only point, two points I have this evening, but it's not going to be, uh, it's going to be the same length of sermon. So, uh, but our command and our comfort. And uh, just as a reminder of you of last Sunday, when we looked at our series in First John, we noticed some things that we can find ourselves saying, but we wanted to make sure that the things that we say are true. And those were that if we say we have fellowship with God, if we say that we have no sin, and if we say that we have sinned. And so we first noticed those who say they have fellowship with God. And that's something that we should say. Uh, we should have fellowship with God. We should uh, proclaim that. But it's one thing to say that we do, and then it's another to actually have fellowship with God. And so we notice that if we have fellowship with God, uh, like we say we do, we will walk in the light. And that means having companionship with God. It means having companionship with fellow believers. It means cleansing, uh, confessing sin. And it's, it's through Christ that we can fellowship with God and that we fellowship with others and that we have forgiveness of sins. We also looked at those who say that they have no sin. And John was very blunt. He said, somebody that says they have no sin, they lie. The truth is not in them. And so we need to be careful uh, to, to not say that we have no sin. We understand that we've all sinned. We've all broken God's law. And then finally, we looked at those who say that they, they have sinned. And this is what we, we should say. And we saw how in verse 9, we should confess our sin when we sin. We should go to God for forgiveness. We need to humbly acknowledge our sin and then turn to him for forgiveness. And the Bible says that God is faithful and just to forgive us. But if we never confess our sin, uh, if we never go to God for forgiveness, we are hindering that fellowship. We're building up that sin in our life and it puts a barrier between us and our father. And so we need to confess that sin. Uh, to have fellowship with him. So that was last Sunday. Tonight we're going to continue, and as I said, we're going to look at our command and our comfort here in 1 John 2, 1 and 2. And as we've mentioned, uh, it's John's desire that the believers he's writing to, one of his greatest desires is that they would have fellowship with their father. And a part of that fellowship, as we'll see tonight, is not sinning. And that's the theme of most of this chapter, of chapter 2, is to not sin. And this is one of the reasons he writes this epistle, so that the, the reader, the church there, they would sin not so that they could have fellowship with their Father in heaven. And it's important to remember the context of, of what's going on. This church uh, was in a time when they faced great persecution. Uh, the believers needed encouragement. Uh, John's writing this to those who are saved, and so he's not writing this necessarily to get them saved, but to remind them that they are saved and that they can have fellowship with their Father. And so John, he opens this next section in, uh, in this chapter, and he addresses his readers as my little children there. You can see in verse 1, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he, he, he addresses them as little children. And he's not doing that to demean them. He's not doing that to... Um, to look down on them, to say that they're less than him. 
John is very old at this time. He's about uh, probably 80 or 90, some people believe. He's towards the end of his life. He has a lot of experience in ministry. He's one of the last in his generation that physically walked and saw Christ with their eyes. And so many of the people that he's writing to didn't actually see Christ with their eyes, but they're learning from the apostles. They're learning from those who walked with Christ. And they're younger than him. And the, the, uh, the title, Little Children, it has the idea of somebody who's a student, somebody who's learning from him. And so he wants them to learn. He wants them to grow in their faith. And by the way, that should be our desire. That's our responsibility as Christians is to teach the next generation, to, to teach them the things of God, to teach them our faith, and to be an example to them in our faith. And so that's what John's desire is. And uh, again, they're facing, they're facing persecution. It wouldn't be long after this when John is exiled to the island of Patmos for his faith, for preaching the gospel. And many of the people he's writing to would be imprisoned, would be killed, would be on the run for, for following the Lord. And they would face temptation to sin. They would face temptation to turn their back on God. They would face temptation to to hide their identity as Christians. And so John is writing this so that they would have fellowship and so that they would maintain their fellowship. Sin is the great enemy and roadblock to our fellowship with God. Uh, sin is, is the one thing that will ruin that fellowship. And so it's important that we sin not. So tonight we're going to see our command and our comfort. Let's look at verses 1 and 2, and we'll go ahead and pray. It says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day that you've given us, and uh, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to gather here tonight to look at your word and to see the command that you've given us to sin not, but also our comfort that we have an advocate, Lord, uh, and we have forgiveness from you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this evening to put aside distractions uh, as we look at your word. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts through your word. I ask God that you'd show us what it is that we need tonight. Help us, Lord, to have a desire to be in fellowship with you. And Lord, if there is sin in our life that is hindering that fellowship, I pray that we would confess it so that we can be in fellowship and have the joy that you desire for us. God, I ask that you'd help me now to be emptied of myself and filled with your spirit. And God, I pray that you would do what only you can do, and that's to speak to our hearts. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, first thing that we're going to see is our command. Our command. And the, our command is simple. Don't sin. Sin not. And uh, it's a simple command. You, it's almost laughable how simple it is. He tells them, sin not. And it's, it's, it's basic uh, to say, don't sin. But first, we should understand, what is sin? You know, we can say, I don't want to sin, I don't want to do bad, but it's important to understand what is sin. Because when you ask the world, for instance, they'll tell you some things that are good that God says is bad. And they'll tell you some things, the world will tell you some things that are bad that God says is good. And so it's important that we know what God says is sin. What God says is wrong. Because ultimately we're going to be judged by God's standard, not man's standard. And so if we want to be in fellowship with God, if we want to sin not, we need to know what he's told us is sin. 
And the first thing that we see is sin is breaking God's law. Uh, sin is, uh, is disobeying God's law. It's when we fall short of His standard of righteousness. And so we need to look to God's law, His word, to see what He considers sin. Second, sin is disobeying conscience. Sin is disobeying conscience. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile excuse, uh, accusing or else excusing one another. James 4.17 says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. God's given us a conscience, his law written on our heart. And when we know something is wrong in our heart, and we decide, I'm going to do it anyway, because God's not very clear on it. I'm not sure if he thinks it's wrong. It might be wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. We, we are violating our, the conscience God has given us. Or when we know to do something that is right, and we don't do it. When God is leading us to help somebody, and we don't. When God is leading us to share the gospel, and we don't. When God is uh, leading us to, to, to serve Him, and we don't, that's a sin. When we violate the conscience God has given us. Sin is also, number three, walking in darkness. Sin is whenever we're not walking in the light. Whenever we stray from God's presence. When we start adopting the philosophies of the world and, and practices of the world that are contrary to God's word. And so we need to know God's word so we can walk in the light. But when we are not walking in the light, we're walking in darkness, we're in sin. And so we see what sin is. And all of that can be summed up in the simple thought that sin is when we follow our heart's desires instead of following the truth of God's word. Uh, when we are not following God's truth, when we're following what, uh, what our heart says is right, uh, we need to follow God's word uh, if we want to be, if we do not want to sin. And so sin, it's, sin is not just a concept, some concept. Sin, we can know that we're in sin. The Bible says that we are without excuse. In other words, we don't get to stand before God and say, well, I didn't know that was wrong. I didn't know that I shouldn't do that. Uh, we have no excuse before God. We should sin not, but why should I not sin? So we know what sin is, but the question needs to be asked, why should I not sin? Why is it important that I do right? Why is it important that I don't sin against God? Uh, what does it matter anyway? Uh, if something feels so good to my flesh, why is it bad? And so we see why we should sin not. Uh, I have se seven quick things here. Sin, we should sin not because it's, it's abhorrent to God. God hates it. Uh, and that should be reason enough for us not to sin. The Bible is clear that God hates sin. And why would we love something that God hates? Why would we take pleasure in something that God despises? If we say that we love God, we won't participate in the things that He hates. The Bible says that we should, uh, we should love the things that, that God loves. We should uh, cling to that which is good and abhor that which is evil. And sin should be abhorrent to us just as it is, as it is to God. You know, that's what the world and the devil tries to do with sin. The world and the devil, they tell us that sin is pleasing, that it's exciting, that there's nothing wrong with it. They want us to enjoy sin, to take pleasure in sin. Uh, but when we read the Bible, we see that sin is destructive. 
that God hates sin, that it leads to death. And so we should sin not because first God hates sin and we should hate it as well. Romans 12, 9, the second half of it says, Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. And so we should sin not because God hates sin. Number two, we should sin not because it's wrong in and of itself. It's wrong in and of itself. We know that it's bad. Uh, we know that it leads to nothing good. Uh, we can look at the experiences in our life and where bad decisions have led us, and we know that sin is wrong. But why do we choose it so often? We can't, again, we can't say that we were tricked into sin. Every time we sin, we have chosen to sin. Uh, we have chosen to do what is wrong, and, and we are without excuse. But if we've been saved, we've been freed from sin. We don't have to choose that sin. We can choose to do what is right. And yet so often uh, in our flesh, when we're not following God, we choose wrong. And so we need to not sin because sin is evil in and of itself. Number three, and this should be, if nothing else motivates us not to sin, this should be the reason not to sin. Sin caused Christ's suffering. Sin is what caused Christ's suffering. Uh, it, knowing that it, we should not sin because we know that our sin is what put him on the cross. And when we choose to sin as Christians, we're choosing to enjoy and to participate in those things which caused Christ's suffering and his death. Why would we enjoy those things? Why would we take pleasure in those things? Uh, why do we enjoy the things that hurt Christ? As Christians, we should have no pleasure in sin because it caused his suffering. Number four, we should not sin because sin, it dishonors the gospel message and its claim to power. Uh, the Bible says that through the gospel, we've been freed from sin. We're no longer slaves to it. And when we choose to participate in sin, we are dishonoring the message of the gospel. We are saying that we don't actually believe its power, that we are not living in the, the power of the gospel. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer, suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Romans 6.22 says, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruits unto holiness, in the end everlasting life. As believers, we do have power over sin. There's no temptation that we cannot overcome through Christ. But when we choose to sin, uh, when we choose to sin, we are saying that we don't want that power, that we don't want that righteousness that we have through the gospel, and we dishonor that message. It should be our desire to reflect Christ and to show the world that we have power over our flesh and our sin and those evil desires. But when we choose that sin, we, we ruin that fellowship, and we don't have that joy that God has for us. And so we, we should not sin because it dishonors the gospel message. Number five, it's inconsistent with our profession. We should sin not because it's inconsistent with our profession. Uh, so it dishonors the message of the gospel, but it betrays who we say we are. We say that we're children uh, of God who walk in the light, but when we sin, we're walking in the darkness, and the world sees that. They see when we're not, uh, we're not being what we say we are. And so we should sin not because it is inconsistent with our profession. Number six, we should sin not because sin leads to an evil conscience. Sin leads to an evil conscience. Um, it's, it's God's desire that we live in peace and in joy, knowing that we are His children. 
And it's God's desire that we live knowing that we are free, that we are forgiven, that we are without uh, condemnation before him. The Bible says there's no condemnation uh, to those who are in Christ. In other words, we're not guilty uh, when we stand before God because we've been forgiven. But when we sin, when we live in sin, we bring upon ourselves a sense of guilt. How often have we found ourselves being ashamed of our actions? We should, but God doesn't want us to live that way. He doesn't want us to live with that burden of guilt. He wants us to live in freedom and in joy. How many times has our sin led us to a feeling that God does not love us uh, anymore? How many times have we chased after sin and we felt abandoned by God like he doesn't care about us? God doesn't want us to live that way as his children. How many times has sin led to us doubting our position as his children uh, and doubting our salvation? That's not a spirit from God. God wants us to live in peace, uh, having confidence in his salvation. How many, and even worse than that, sin often leads us to feeling like we don't deserve to pray. How many times have we gone to pray and because of our sin we don't feel worthy? And uh, as Christians, we have the ability and the freedom to go to God in prayer. But our sin, again, it puts up a wall between us and God. And God wants us to have that fellowship with Him. But sin, it leads us to that feeling that we do not deserve to pray. But God has given us that privilege, and He wants us to pray with Him. And so we should sin not. And so sin, it leads to an evil conscience. Finally, sin, we should sin not because sin, it leads to utter, an utter sense of hopelessness. When you continue in sin long enough, we start to embrace those feelings of unworthiness that are not from God, and we end up in hopelessness. Because if God doesn't care about us, if God doesn't love us anymore, what hope do we have in the world? Uh, how many Christians have concluded that God no longer loves them and they no longer want to follow Him? Uh, because they've continued in sin and the course that it leads to. Uh, how many have concluded that they have no possibility of joy or recovery from their sin because they've continued in it so long and those feelings of worthlessness have come over them? We can never, we need to be reminded though, as we'll see in a second, we can never run too far from God's forgiveness. Uh, if we would go to Him and confess that sin to Him, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us. But we should sin not because it leads to an utter sense of hopelessness. And so our command is to not, to not sin if we want to have fellowship with God. And he, that was what John wanted for these children in the faith. He, he understood the, the reality of their situation, though. He understood that they were human, uh, and they still lived in the flesh. John is not teaching them here that they could reach a point of sinless perfection. There's been a lot of debate throughout the centuries about this passage. Some say that John is teaching we can reach a point of sinless perfection in this world, in this flesh, but we know that's not true because our flesh is cursed. Uh, some have also taken this passage to say that sin is inevitable, and so I can live however I want because I can just confess it and keep on going and go back to my sin, and God's still going to love me, but that's also not the case. God doesn't want us to use His Forgiveness as an excuse to sin. Uh, and so, so John, he's not concerned about making some kind of argument 
about uh, whether they're sinless perfection or license to sin. John is, is writing to deal with them in their situation. Uh, and he knows that they're going to face persecution and trials, and that with those trials come temptation. And because we have this flesh, we are not going to be perfect. And, and we, will, we, will, we will sin uh, when we give in to that flesh. Uh, and so John wants to comfort them here. He tells them to sin not. But then uh, look at verse 1 again. Uh, if we, he said, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so we have our, our comfort. And our comfort is that we have an advocate if we sin. We have an advocate, and that's Jesus Christ. The word advocate here has the idea of a defense lawyer in a courtroom. It has the idea of somebody who pleads another's case before a judge. It has the idea of, of one who's called alongside, uh, to, called alongside another. And God has given us His Son, Jesus Christ, as our advocate before Him in His courtroom uh, of His judgment. We've sinned against God. We've broken His law. We stand before Him guilty. But if we've been saved... We've been forgiven, and Jesus Christ represents us, uh, for us, in God's courtroom. Uh, there's nothing that we can, if we stood before God, there's nothing that we can say that we've done to make ourselves innocent, to make ourselves forgiven. But Christ represents us on our behalf. Uh, he is our, our advocate, because He is righteous, uh, and He has not sinned when we have. Another word that John uses here in verse 2, it says, And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation, it just means the satisfaction of something. Uh, in this context, it's the blood of Christ. Uh, and the, the blood that he shed on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, it satisfies the wrath of God. It satisfies the judgment of God. And so here's the picture that John is, is writing to them. If you've been saved, it's God's desire that we have fellowship with Him. Uh, that we stay close to Him. And we have an enemy, though, in the devil, in the world, that wants to ruin that fellowship. That wants us to get away from God. Uh, that wants us to think that we can somehow lose God's love. And he wants, the devil wants us to live in despair and in discouragement. But John is reminding them that if we've been saved and we sin, we have an advocate, and it's Jesus Christ. And sin, it wants us to live in that state of separation. It wants us to, to live in that state of not having fellowship with God. But we are reminded that we have an advocate, and His advocacy, it lasts forever. Uh, we don't lose that advocacy just because we sin. Jesus will always represent us before God. We will always be forgiven. Uh, when we sin, we know we don't lose our salvation because His advocacy, it fully and it finally satisfies God's wrath. But this comfort and this advocacy, it's, it's only for those who've been saved. Uh, in other words, if you've never been saved, you will stand before God and you will have to defend yourself uh, and represent yourself before God in His courtroom. And you're not going to have anything good to say because we've sinned. And we've broken God's law. And we need Christ's advocacy. We need His salvation. We need His representation on our behalf. And His righteousness. And that is available to all. 
uh, verse 2 at the end, it says that his propitiation, that's the satisfaction of God's wrath. It's not just for us who are saved. It's for the sins of the whole world. Jesus can save the whole world. He can save anybody who will turn to him in faith for that salvation. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then another verse we all know, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. His propitiation, his satisfaction for our sin, it's available to all who, who will believe. Uh, but his advocacy, his representation is only for those who've been saved, who have received that propitiation, who have received that gift of salvation. And so if you have not been saved, if you have, if you have not received his salvation, you can have that advocacy. You can stand before God forgiven, but you need to repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ. So tonight our command is to sin not. We've been freed from sin. We don't have to live in the flesh. We, we, when we are tempted to sin, we don't have to be overcome with that sin. Uh, we, can, we can overcome through Christ. And when we do sin, we need to understand that it's not consistent with our profession. When we do sin, we are choosing to take pleasure in the things that caused Christ suffering and His pain. Uh, and so we need to sin not. Uh, when trials and persecution come, when we're tempted to sin, we have victory through Christ. But if we do sin, we have the comfort of knowing we don't lose that advocacy. We don't lose God's love. And uh, we simply need to confess that sin, as we saw last week. And God is faithful to forgive us. Tonight, if we want fellowship with God, we just need to sin not. Uh, and when we do sin, we confess that sin and return to that fellowship. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word.